together. And this is the last Sunday of January. We're into the new year. Anybody make New Year's resolutions this year? Anybody on a diet? Put your hand up on a diet? No? Still on last year's. Well, so am I. I'm still on last year's. And I want to speak this morning a wee bit about that. How we can start off on a project, maybe. Especially us men. We, we start off on projects. And we get so far and we're, we're all into it. And then we get sidetracked. And the wee project gets left there. And we sort of linger in and around about it. And, but we never actually get back to finish it. Not only men, by the way, but, but women. That can be a truth also in the spiritual life of the Christian. So turn with me, please, to the book of Genesis, chapter 12, this morning. Just reading the first four verses of Genesis, chapter 12, the call of Abraham. We're going to be looking at a theme this next few weeks, God willing. And the theme is this, that the man who dared to trust God. Can that be said about you and I, and can that be said about this church or the church up the road, that, that we are people who dared to trust God with our lives? And that's what I want us to focus on this morning. So let us read together the first four, four verses. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your kindred, and your father's house to a land that I will show you. Listen to the blessing, church. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you. I will make your name great. So that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors or curses you, I too will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And so Abraham went as the Lord had told him. So Father, we thank you this morning that there was a time in our lives where, Father, you called us out. And Father, here we sit and here we are, Lord, in your presence. And Father, we would ask this morning, right at the outset, that you would come, Lord, and stir us up. Father, remind us of where we've come from. Remind us of the great work that you've begun in our lives. Lord, how we were once lost. But we were in a horrible pit that we once called life. But Lord, you, you lifted us up out of that. And Lord, you've kept us ever since. Lord, we've much to be thankful for. But Father, you've also blessed your people to be a blessing to the world. And Lord, there's one who would seek to hinder that blessing from flowing. And Father, we pray against all principalities and powers this morning in Jesus' name. Father, where the name of Jesus is lifted up, Demons have to flee, Lord God. And Father, we desire no spirit, only the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ here this morning. We desire not to stand still because we've been told to stand still, to be quiet because we've been told to be quiet, but Lord, to be faithful to you. Lord, to be reminded yet again of the call of God in our lives. And so, Lord, we ask, come, minister to us, we pray, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. If you're a Christian here this morning, do you ever sort of sometimes feel that you went as far as maybe God wants you to go? Or this is it. Do you ever reach that stage where, where, where this is it? And you know, as a young man who was saved at the age of 24, I always struggled to sit and think, 
This is it. I've read books of great things. I've met people who have great testimonies. I've seen mighty things done in the inner place of my own heart that no surgeon could do. Only God can do heart surgery on a man or a woman. The world has many religions today, many different philosophies. Not one of them can deal with man's greatest problem, the bitterness of our heart, the sinful heart of man. But God can. Isn't that right? And he has and he does. But, but church, I want to say this. We're going to look at the call of Abraham. And right from the outset, I don't know exactly where we're headed with it, but I want you to understand, as you look at Abraham, look at yourself. Remind yourself that Abraham isn't some great mighty man set apart. He was a man. Like you and I, if you're a woman here this morning, obviously, you're a woman. He was a human, human being. And, and that's what we need to remind ourselves, that God takes ordinary people like you and I, mundane people, and he chooses us to be a blessing to people. Are you being a blessing to people in your life? These are the things we want to ask ourselves, because if God says he's called us, and he says he's going to bless us, that we can be a blessing to others. Does your, the people you work with love to see you come in through the door or do they go out through the other door? When you go into a certain shop in the town do the, does a certain person hide they don't want to see you come because they know you're one of them customers or just a nightmare to deal with or do they want to be near you? Do you understand what I mean? Certain Christians that you just want to be near. Cameron Crawford recently passed away. pastored this church for many years. He was one of them men. It was two or three months ago we went to the ministers and wives and I went through the door and there was all the, the young trendy pastors and I felt like an old man and, and there they were doing their stuff and the, listen they seemed to have landed, it's great, I wish I had left but, but I went, went straight over to Cameron and somebody mentioned in his farewell service about he always hear the laughter and that's what I mind that day, he was sitting with his wife laughing and I went over and Julie Ann went over and we sat and honestly he was like, he was, as if he was our grandfather and he spoke life into us. He spoke truth into us. He spoke blessing over our lives. Do you see? There's a blessing that God has given each of us. And it doesn't come from a pulpit. It doesn't come from a place of elevation. It's, it comes from walking in the blessing of God. And that's the church where we want to be. And that's where I'm going to lead us. That we are a church that are a blessing to other people. And I don't like, I don't like heavy silences. Do you? Church, I want to promise you this. I'm going to pray that this church is going to be on fire when we come through the door. When we come through the door. I went to Times Square Church, and I'm not even on my notes yet, so I might have to cut stuff out. And I went to Times Church Church or Times Square Church and I said to Julian, we went there for Julian's 40th I married an older woman. And we went there for our 40th and we were in New York, the great apple, the big apple, and so much to do, and we lingered, didn't we? We went to the morning service, and we left there at 3.30. We lingered. The meeting was over, and we lingered. There was another meeting at 1 or 2, or whatever time it was at, and four, no, it was, the party was 4 o'clock. The whole afternoon we spent, and we lingered. Do you understand? We lingered. Why? There was revival at that church. There was revival at that church 30 years ago, and Carter Conlon mentioned it that morning. He says... Every church that's hit revival, they give it 15 years. Statistically, they say after 15 years, people become cold and, and heavy, and the presence of God leaves the church. 
And he says, thank God, he says, it hasn't happened in this church. And we talk about our brother and the drum. I remember once referring to him as a, a cool drummer and they made every song about it. Do you remember that? But, but there was like, when, when, the, when the curtain went up, it was an old opera house, when the curtain went up, there was like, like a bass drum. Now this wasn't drums, but it was, it was like a bass drum of, of life started to well up. There was loads of African. I was looking for all the Africans. Well, they're still coming. And, and they, were, they were worshiping and there was life. And I experienced about that revival of church. Me and my wife didn't want to leave the church. And people went on to get their dinner. We lingered and we lingered and we lingered. And some night I'll tell you a bit of our, some of our experiences this last two years. We'll, we'll make a night of that. I want to share how God can use you where you are. I had to find that out this past two years. But, but we experienced a slight revival of that where we lost ourselves and people could come and meet with God. And that's where we want to be, church. But we need to remember the call of God on our life. We need to remember that God has called our life. And we see this in Abraham. Abraham was called to new beginnings. And he was called to come away from the old life and, and start a, a new life. And, and so it is today. To be a Christian, we're called to come out. And if you're not saved this morning, you don't know God, you would know that through the preaching of the gospel. You would know that there's times where you have felt that you have to give your life to God. And there's been this fight. And this is true for Abraham, it's true for you, and it's been true for me. But, but God constantly calls us to let go of the old life. That, that old man, you know, the old nature. And the Bible says it must be buried. And the reason it has to be buried is but God has to bury us, our old selves, to make way for the new man or the new woman of God to be birthed. And, and that's why he, he tells us to, to, to put to death then things in our life that, that, that aren't healthy, that, that aren't good for us. And the Bible calls this something wonderful, born again. And before I was a Christian and I heard this word, born again, I used to think they were mental, they were crazy. What does this even mean, born again? Nicodemus thought the same. What does it mean to be born again? Can I enter my mother's womb yet a second time? But it's a wonderful truth. We see it's by the Spirit of God that the sinner is made into a new creation. We see that. It's by the Spirit of God that you are made into a new man or woman of God. The Bible speaks about being regenerated. Do you remember that word? Regenerated. When I first became a Christian, it was spoke of much. God is regenerating you, your life, through the power of the Holy Spirit. He's changing you day by day. This is something that is very biblical regenerated in and through the Holy Spirit which is the third member of the Holy Trinity but before this can happen there's this coming out that has to take place our current life we need to come out from it and we need to follow the Lord Jesus Christ am I speaking a gospel message this morning? no I'm speaking to the church this morning as much as I'm speaking to anybody we have to come out constantly come out we can't come out and say hi Lord and go, go back in it doesn't work like that, sadly. We have to come out and we have to stay out. That's what it is to be following Christ. And we see this in the life of Abram. Abram was called to come out from this in his country, his, his, his family and his father's house. Abram had to leave his old life behind, all his comforts, all his securities, and he had to trust God with his life. It's safe to say that Abraham was a man who, despite all the odds being against him, he chose. He made a choice 
despite everything being against them, to, to follow God, to come out. And the Bible tells us this, church, without faith we cannot please God. And if we could please God by works, this church would please God. But thank God it's not about works, it's about faith. And all who are of Christ have their personal cross to carry. And some crosses are heavier than others, aren't they? Some people have a much heavier cross to carry than, than maybe you or I have to carry. But, but nonetheless, we all have a, a cross to bear. There's a cost. There's a cost to, to following Christ. The cost of being a disciple isn't just seen within the Old Testament. It's also very evident in the New Testament. Please turn with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter 14 in your Bibles, please. I want you to come along with me just as we go through this this morning. So there's a cost. To be a blessing, there's a cost. To walk with God, there's a cost. And if you know what it is to truly walk with God, you will know that even some Christians don't appreciate it. That's when you know. Do you understand that? It, it stirs other people up. It, it frustrates other people to see you get on for the things of God. We don't want to frustrate one another. We want to encourage one another to go on in the things of God. Greater things have yet to come. Greater things have yet to come in your life, church. It's only over when you're in the front of this church in a box. In one sense, it's only beginning, but in a very real sense, that's when it's over. That's when your time's up. So Luke 14, verses 25. We're going to look at the cost, what it is to be a man or a woman who dares to trust God. In verse 25, large crowds were, were traveling with Jesus. And turning to them, Jesus said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and his mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. That's a strange verse, isn't it? And if you're looking for justification this morning for hating your wife, your husband, sorry, this verse does not give you that justification. You'll have to find another one for that one. But Jesus here is not teaching that we hate our family, or our children. It goes completely against everything that Jesus is and teaches. But what Jesus is teaching here is that one must be willing to follow him at all costs. Even when our friends don't think it's a good idea. Even when our colleagues, maybe our husbands, our wives, mock us. Even if our family may choose to disown us, Christ says you must follow. To follow Christ, a man or a woman must be willing to give up Everything for Jesus. All their pride. I don't really need God or you. I can do it by myself, fine. All our independence. All our preconceived ideas. The amount of times somebody's been so close to coming to Jesus and always say, well, lone man down the road proclaims to be a Christian. If that's Christianity, I don't want a bit of it. A preconceived idea. Idea, as my daughter would say. Some people, when they come to Christ for the first time, they find this firsthand that the family don't approve. And they're left with a choice. Either 
renounce their faith or get out. We don't do too bad over here, really. Because of the gospel and Jesus Christ, fathers have turned against sons, mothers against daughters, brothers against sisters. Why? Because they have chose to come to Christ. There's a cost in coming to Christ. And you know, for some of you this morning, this is the very price that you've had to pay to follow Christ. And I'll say this to you. You've already made one step to dare to trust God. When all has been against you, you've chose to give your life to Christ and go with it. And what Jesus is saying here, that by no means are we, we to hate people over him, but rather what Jesus is saying, that, that following him requires commitment and faithfulness over everything else in our life. I don't think I'm going to win many converts this morning with this message. But there you go. That's what it is to come out. That's what it is to experience the blessing of God. You want revival? You want this church to be in fire? But come out of your life. Give it to him. Truly surrender all your preconceived ideas. Surrender your pride Somebody hurt your pride. The amount of times I could, in this past two years, where I could say that my pride has been hurt, my ego has been hit, and if I was to allow that to shape me, I would be at home today, backslidden church. Maybe you're not at home today, backslidden, but you're here today and you're backslidden because of them very reasons. Listen, the enemy uses people. Sometimes we hinder people, we don't even realize we do it. Sometimes we say something, a flyaway comment to somebody, and little we know we've have just destroyed their walk with God. Do you know? I do believe most half the people we've offended, we've no idea we've even done it. But following Jesus requires commitment and faithfulness over everything else that's going on in our life. And verse 27, look at this. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose once you... But suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and count the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and you're unable to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying the person began to build but wasn't able to finish. Excuse me, and here we see the cost. Some have answered the, the cheap gospel call that we've seen a great rise in in our land. And, and it's goes something like this, come and your life will be blessed. Come and, and maybe your, your finances will be switched around and uh, maybe your boss will give you that long-awaited promotion. And all these wee things would be nice if they were true. Basically what these Gospels teach, listen, come, live for yourself for 80, 90 years. Do what you like and at the end you get to go to glory and be with God. But yet you don't want to be with him in your time on earth. I call this the I gospel. The I will be blessed. I will be rich. I will be great. I, I, I. It doesn't bring in revival. Why? Because it's a false gospel, church. It's a false gospel. But of course, when I looked at this, I said to myself, well, this is easier said than done, isn't it? It's easy to talk on the topic of holiness, but if you don't bring in Christ's holiness, we're beat. You see, we all like to rule our own life sometimes, don't we? I'll go a step further. 
we even like to rule other people's lives sometimes, don't we, wives? We, 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 like, to, we like to take control of things. And, and wives are very, very good, David, because they do it in a way you don't even realize they're doing it. They let you think you've made the decision and you're going, did I really want to do that? But that's a different sermon for a different day. But, but for most of us here this morning, we have, we have heard the call of God. Bring it back to the basics, church. We've heard the call of God. Maybe we didn't answer it straight away, but we, we heard the call of God and we answered it. And we heard his voice and we stepped out against all odds. And we come out of our old lives and we started that journey towards the promised land. But then for some reason we, we managed to go so far. We've all been there. Maybe some of us are still there. We've been there. Maybe for whatever reason we've stopped and could be fear in our lives. It could be uncertainty. Even discouragement as we've spoke about. Many things can happen in us to cause us to picture tents. And stand still. And lose the adventure of being saved. Do you remember there's an adventure in being saved? Do you remember there's an adventure in being saved? Is it an adventure for you? I tell you it's been an adventure for me. And I know it's an adventure to follow Christ. Because we don't know as Abraham. We have no idea where we're going. I didn't plan to be here two months ago church. Anymore and you didn't plan to see me here. I didn't plan to be in Cookstown for a year. I didn't plan on being a Christian church. Do you understand? I didn't plan anything that's gone on in my life. But I want to dare to trust God. Do you not? Imagine getting your deathbed and said, well, I did it my way and I did it safe. And how boring it's been. Isn't it boring? But listen, we need to not pitch our tents, church. Have you heard the old term, the, the the SAS, the Christian version. I'm sure you have. Saved and stuck. You heard that? Like, we would never be fit for the real SAS, but boy, we slot into that very easily. We're saved and we're stuck. No idea where we're going. Don't even know why I'm going to church this morning, but I feel a better go. Don't know what I'm doing. We're saved, we're stuck. Church, we're not going to be stuck no more. We're not going to be stuck no more. We want to go and move for the things of God. Now, it's important to note, because this is important. Not going any further for us doesn't mean that we've turned back. Sure it doesn't. We're still faithful men and women of God. We're just not progressing. It means we're, we're, we're still faithful Christians. We, we, haven't, we haven't backslidden. We just have pitched our tents. It just means that we've stopped living for God. Doesn't it? Maybe become unsure of our purpose in this world as, as a church, as a Christian. And that's what we're going to be looking at in future, future weeks, not months, weeks. As what is our purpose as a church? Why do we do what we, we're doing? What do we want to achieve? These are some of the questions as the, the elders and I get together. We're going to be considering these questions and we're going to be answering them. And we're going to get a focus and a vision with, with the session. And we're going, to, we're going to ask these hard questions and we're going to hit them head on. Because I would rather crash somewhere knowing that I'm going somewhere than just crash and having no idea why I was even on the road. You understand? We want to know we're going somewhere, we're doing something. Because if we become members of the SAS, what we end up doing, is, a lot of people are doing, is we, we sit and wait for the glorious return of the Lord Jesus Christ. We even sing about it. Lord, we long for you to come and make all things right. But actually, he's called us 
go out into the world and make all things right. It's not funny. We reversed it. Because when the gospel entered this heart, the pub lost one of its best customers. Two children got a daddy. You understand? I had money in my bank. My wee mother got some rent for a change, some housekeeper. I got a life. And there's people out there that we have to go and change their lives with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, church. Please shout amen or something. I don't mind. Or shout rubbish. I don't care what you shout. Shout something. I got, I got some bad training in Cookstown. And I'll fill you on with that before, but they, they love the Lord and they would not be afraid to, to shout or ask, even ask questions one in the middle of the meeting. I had to say, listen, I love your enthusiasm, but please don't do that in front of everybody else. In case I don't know the answer. <laughs> but church, we have to keep going. We don't just sit and wait for the Lord common. But listen, there's nothing wrong with little comfort, right? We all like a wee bit of comfort. But this morning, if you have pitched your tent, and you've stopped trusting God, you've stopped allowing him to lead you, and you've played it safe, let me bring you a wee bit of comfort. You're not alone. Abraham did the same. Turn to Genesis 11, please. In verse 31. Abraham did the same. And I don't know about you, but I always feel good when somebody else has made the same mistake as me, especially when he's got a greater name than I have, and he's, he's known as a mighty man of God. It just makes me excited that this man is the same as me after all. That I'm normal. Yeah? But Terah took Abraham, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, and Abraham's wife. And they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans, Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan, but when they came to Haran, they settled there. I want you to notice the word but. They went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But. Do you see the but? When they came to Haran, they settled there. Abraham heard the call. And like many, he started out well. But for some reason, halfway down the road, not even halfway down the road, he decided to pitch his tent. Do you know how long for church? Five years. Isn't that something? Five years. In Genesis, that verse that we've just read, 31, we see that, that the terrorist said to have taken his family from Ur to Canaan, the promised land. Now, now Terah's name is named first because he's a eldest, he's a father, it's a respect thing. But we know from scripture, if you're taking reference, Acts 7, that God called Abraham, not Terah, from Ur of the Chaldeans, not from Haran. Do you see that? Where God called Abraham, it's not where he is. Abraham was journeying to the promised land. But it appears that he took his father with him and his nephew Lot with him. Abraham didn't do, how would you put it, exactly what God asked him to do. What is it they say down here? Ox, you're lucky. Is that what they say? You're lucky. Maybe he didn't do everything right, but you're lucky. Sorry. He didn't do exactly what God had asked him. 
he didn't do much wrong. He, he, he added some things to soften the cross that he had to carry. Listen, I have to confess of that. We all like a wee bit of, come on. We can understand that, right? He, he, wanted, he wanted a wee bit of comforts. I put it like this. Listen, Lord, if we must carry a cross, well, can I have mine sort of sanded around the edges? You know one of them plastic ones that they look real? Maybe one of them would be really nice. There, that way you would think the cross that I'm carrying is real, but it's actually wood. And it's, you know, that's the way we sort of like to carry our cross. And the point is simply this, that Abraham had pitched his tent. This great man of God who, he was our spiritual father today. He went so far. Do you remember that song, Father, father Abraham had many sons? Many sons had Father Abraham. Maybe get David to sing it at the end. Would you, David? Through this man's faithfulness, we're saved today. Through your faithfulness, your grandchildren's children can be saved today. Do you understand? There's a ripple effect in faithfulness. I want to say this. As I was seeking direction for a word to bring this morning, there was many things went through my mind, but I couldn't get away from this message. So I believe I'm speaking to somebody this morning. And this is you. you. You've went so far. You haven't backslidden, but you've pitched your tent. And you're in a place where you've forgotten the call of God. And he's speaking to you this morning. Because that's what he does. Maybe once on fire for the work of God and the things of God. And you served him with great faith and eagerness. But today God's meeting with you. And I believe that. He's meeting with somebody here this morning. And he's saying, right, time's up. And he's speaking to your heart. And once again, he's calling you to rise up and join ranks. Do you know something I've learned from I got into the ranks have been less critical? From I've tried to lead somebody to the Lord, I've, I've been less critical to somebody else who's tried. When I've took a stand and shared a word, I've, I've been less critical and sharing or slagging somebody else who's tried it and failed. Do you understand? When we step out in the war, we'd be glad to see our fellow soldiers beside us. We rejoice because our brothers on fire for God. We rejoice because our sisters on fire for God. And we rejoice because this land needs men and women who's got a fire for God. Would you agree, church? We need a fire for God. And once again, God's calling to us. But listen, he's a, one thing I've learned in this past year, believe it or not, that he's a loving father. I struggle with that because I don't know really what it is to have that in my life as a child. And maybe that's you. You struggle to understand what a loving father is, but he will, he will reveal himself to you as, as you go on with him. But he's a loving father. And, and you know why? He allowed Abraham to linger for five years. He allowed it. He didn't get the heavy rod out. You know, some of them old farmers would get the blue stick out and hit the young boy at clip and tell him to go and put them, feed them cattle. He's not that sort of, not that that's not a loving father. Sometimes the sons need a good kick with a stick, but we're talking about God, not, not the earthly father here. And, but he allowed Abram to linger for five years, church, and I thought this was wonderful because you know why God likewise allows us to linger, to stand still for so long. He gives us time. He makes room for our, our fears and our failures. He makes room for our hurts. He makes room for us to, to try and see the bigger picture.
doesn't he? He's a gracious, loving God who will allow you to pitch your tent. But the thing about a loving God, he'll not let you stay there. He'll not let you stay there. He never forgets us. He'll never let us stay outside of his will and favor for too long. And his call's in your life, church. And the call that he spoke into your life will come to pass. And I'm speaking to individual people this morning. What God has spoken into your heart is going to come to pass. Not because you are a mighty, faithful person. Because he said, but because he said it will. That's faith. The Apostle Paul understood this faithfulness of God. You're taking notes, Philippians 1 and 6. For I am confident of this very thing. That he who begun a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. The home one Christian, or the HCSB Bible says this, I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Take that and write it in your Bibles and believe it, church. And no matter what discouragement comes your way, <clears throat> no matter what's been spoken over your life, it's nonsense because that's what God said. It doesn't matter what somebody else has said, that's what God said. Maybe somebody's told you you'll never make it. What sort of Christian are you? <clears throat> You're nothing but an old sinner. Well, praise God, they're right to a certain extent. But they're looking at you and not the Savior. <clears throat> and he said he's going to complete the great work that he's started. And there's a great work. I don't plan to leave this earth without at least trying. <clears throat> the date I've managed to keep that. <clears throat> God's helped me keep that. And church, that's that I want to encourage you to do. I want to remind you of something that might lighten your spirit. When a man or woman comes to Christ in faith, do you know what? He keeps them. He keeps them. I couldn't have kept the dinner date. I couldn't have kept anything before I was saved. I wasn't known as a man of follow-through. But he has been faithful for some 17 years. Isn't that wonderful that he keeps us? He picks us up when we fall. 1 Corinthians 8 says this, He will sustain you to the end <clears throat> so that you will, be a, you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will sustain us, church. But he wants us to trust him. And that's the message this morning. I dare each of you to trust God. He says he will finish it. He says he will sustain you. Will you believe him? Will you, will you walk in his calling? Some of these young ones at the, at the back Young Justin and that sort of crew there. We men of God. I pray the fire of God into your lives. Because I've experienced young men, 17, 18 years of age, on fire for God. And boy, they shook our mass city. Seen them. Get into pubs with tracks. Glory to God. Three or four of them are on the ministry. One of them crashed. All one's doing well. and there's, Things happen. But they dared to trust God. Church. And if we don't trust God, don't expect the young ones at the back to, to trust them either. Because they're going to follow us. Aren't they? They're going to follow us. But for Abraham, it was time to roll up his tent. And it's time I close this sermon. And I believe as a church, God is telling us that we've lingered long enough. He's given us all much needed time. Hasn't he? He's given us time. Because he's gracious. I'll share this with you, and I didn't plan to share it with anybody, but... The year I left this church, I was in a backslidden place, church. And God took my wee heart. 
And he's surrounded with the wee people of, we call them the wee oddities, we people of God. And they loved us. And they nursed us. And we ministered to them and we loved them back. And we've seen a church grow. We've seen people grow. And I've seen a heart changed in my life. Let's keep it real, church. We can very easily pitch our tents. We can very easily look at each other and say, you know something, you're the very reason I don't want to go on. But that's not of God. It's not of God. I'm going to close if you just look at this. Look at your first verse on Genesis 12. Now if you're reading from the NIV, the NLT, the New King James Version, the King James Version this morning, please raise your hand. Because you're going to, yes? Good. You're going to see what I'm about to show you. The rest of you, you should have paid the extra three euro and got the Bible with all the words in it. But if you check your margin, it will be there. I promise you that. It's not the Northern Ireland or the Neil version. <clears throat> it says this. The Lord had said to Abraham, you King James Version, there's a there. The Lord had said to Abraham. The Lord had said. What has the Lord said to you? Israel, the Lord had said. David, the Lord had said. And that it? He spoke to them before. Do you see that? The Lord had already said, as we sometimes read it and think this was the first call, but the Lord had already said to our brother in the Lord. But he had pitched the tent. <laughs> he had pitched the tent. Church, the Lord had said to you, he'd said to me in various times in our life, it's time to go. It's time to rise up with renewed faithfulness. And trust God. I'm going to ask the team to come. I just want to pray over the church this, this, this afternoon. <clears throat> what about this? What if Manon and Elam become a church known as a church that dared to trust God? What about that? We dared to trust God. Can you believe that church did that? Imagine that. They went and they met with sinners in a bar. Imagine. I know we're not there yet, by the way. I don't want to get sacked the first time through the door, but listen. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is, what about being a, what about being a Jesus? Who the religious folk chastised him because he what? Rubbed shoulders with sinners like me and you. Isn't that right? That's church. It's messy church. And when we get messy church going and we see people coming in through these doors, you would be a bit slower to leave your handbags on the floor. <laughs> you will. Because they might be there when you come back. Or they will, they'll be empty. But God can change the person. And hopefully someday they'll come back and they'll give you the money back double fold. If they don't, well, look, take it up with the Lord. Young people, we want to be praying into your lives. Take it from a middle-aged fool now. Your best years are right now. Be so out for God now and you will have an adventure. And the things that this world are striving for, he just sat in your lap. Scripture teaches it. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things, and just, there you go. A church that dared to trust God. Could you stand with me, please? Just open your hearts. We're going to wrap this up. But I believe God has been speaking to people this morning. Harden not your heart, church. Let us excite ourselves of what lies ahead. Let us not try with our preconceived ideas, work things out, but simply trust him. That's what I'm doing, no other choice.
But I believe there's a Christian this morning that have heard this message and God has spoken directly into your heart. And the first thing I feel that God has asked you to do is to thank him. <laughs> thank him. Why would you thank him? Because he's come and for the first time in years he's spoken to you directly. You. It's not something. He's a good God. It's been a while since you've heard of calling. And I just feel just thank him. Then open your heart. And your heart might be hard this morning, hard to open, but lay it open. There's greater things for you. Don't miss it. And ask God to touch your heart. Ask God to heal what needs healed. Maybe hurts from your childhood. Something like that. Rejection in the life. Many things can hinder us. Ask God to touch it. Only he can heal it. No heart surgeon can fix it. Ask them to strengthen that what is weak. In all of us. Oh Lord, do that to me this morning. Empower us with the blessed power of the Holy Ghost. So if that's you this morning, let him minister to your heart. But listen, I also believe that there's someone here and God has been dealing with you in recent months. Now this is it's pressed in my spirit this morning. I'm just going to be faithful on it. And the person I'm speaking to this morning is not yet a Christian. You're not yet saved. And God's been calling you and he's been asking you to come out of your life. And he's been asking you to, to, to come to him. And sir or, or madam, whoever it is I'm speaking to this morning, I want you to understand this is God speaking to you this morning. I'm just relaying this message. There's, there's somebody here and you're not saved. I'm going to say this to you. It takes courage to come to Christ. It takes faith. It takes repentance towards God. It, it takes so much. But what the first thing you need to do is dare. And I dare you this morning. I dare you to trust God with your life. Who is that this morning? You know you're here. You're not saved. And God's been dealing with you. And I just want to, want to leave that with you. I dare you to trust God with your life and your soul. I'm going to urge you to take the first step. And when you take the first step, he does the rest. Take that from experience. When you do the first step, 